0: You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Catherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Well, hello, friend. (laughs) Hello, Christy Moan with her Barbie hair.
1: Is this Barbie hair?
0: I don't know. It seems like hair that you would maybe use to dress up to go to a Barbie movie. I love it. So people can't see this. They can't see it. So Christy popped on, and I was like looking down, and she's like, "You're not going to comment on my hair, which is like so curly." And I was like, "Did you get a perm?" It does look like a perm, but I did.
1: I just I just used an annoyingly small. That seems uh, like so much work. It was, it was like 30 minutes How and did you do that back
0: like this, but I yeah, just, didn't. I don't know. uh, on a funny note, when I, I, saw my parents in the, in June, they were like, did you get a perm? And I was like, I've been your child your whole life. You know, I have curly this hair. hair. This is my hair.
1: Well, I do have curly hair. So I'm sure that helps. Cause it's yeah. been like this since the morning and it's pretty much held. We've got a little humidity over there though. Oh yeah. too. So. yeah. Not a little humidity. <laughs> yeah, That'll help a lot of humidity.
0: So, <laughs> um, we're back from break. Oh, we did you, are. Did you that was a me? break. <laughs> hey, I did not get eaten by a bear and I did not crash in a plane. I almost got stuck in a forest fire. Wow.
1: But I just almost got stuck at the Dallas Fort Worth airport. So oh, gosh, did you, that's the worst place. Did you, how long were you there? Overnight. And then, like yeah. like extra time, it was
0: it's like my trip back from the ground. you know pistol. what I'm not
1: I'm not complaining about flying like it's such it's such first world problems. Yeah. So you know, the fact that it took us 25 hours to get home from Patagonia, which is literally flying. It took us that long, which is literally like seven hours longer than if we had driven <laughs> but, you know what? Yeah. Um, we made it and yeah, it was, it was a rough go getting back. So yeah.
0: but yeah. you got it done and the gravel property is open for business. Yep. 316 is now open. So go check it out. Very come stay. Yeah. Know. We might have an opportunity for you to come stay. I know we're um, going to have an opportunity for that,
1: but, but if you want to come in another time too, like let's do it. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, but I, uh, so I did my trail running trip, which I know we're going to like have a real catch up. You and I, yes. we actually catch up, but, um, I will give you some of the highlights of, cause you'll appreciate the logistical challenges. So it was up in Bellacula, uh, Patagonia. That's where you are. Um, up in Bellacula, BC, <laughs> which is like to get there, you fly in these little planes. There were 14 people on the plane and you fly between the mountains, like between oh, the massive amazing. mountains. Yeah. It's beautiful. And also you're like, I am literally flying. There's a mountain there, there, and in front of me. So they can only land if it's sunny because you have to be able to navigate to see. So, um, anyway, get there. Like i have been really nervous that we were gonna have to do this 15 mile run, which was longer that gets canceled because the road is flooded um they're like okay we're just like we're supposed to go up to this remote campground they're like oh we can't there's a forest fire in the park they closed all the like once they end up in Canada if there's a forest fire in that park anywhere even if it's a long way away they close the whole park because they don't want to get people rightly so getting stuck in the back country they hustle 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 make all these new arrangements get us up to this place we're supposed to go third we took a float plane to a glacier which is amazing so spent the day doing that instead of running which was a lot of cl- climbing and scrambling and <laughs> then we're supposed to go do like our last epic run the place that we went from bella coola, like you go up this road it's like 18 percent gravel road for 20 miles oh wow it's a crazy climb no guardrails no um and it's the one way in and out of bella coola, which is where we're supposed to fly out of so we're supposed to go do our last epic run and then drive back down to bella coola and they're like yeah. So there's another fire that broke out right by the trailhead and the trail is closed. And then by the next morning, the road was also closed. Oh my gosh. The one road, the one road. <laughs> so anyway, we eventually got home out of the other, uh, the other, they had to f- bring the plane to the other small airports at the top of the mountain. And they only did it because there were 12 of the 14 of us on the plane. On the plane. Well, we're, yeah. I mean, how's That we're going it? out of their airport, that airport. So anyway, that was my adventures in travel. <laughs> it sounds beautiful though. It was yeah. Beautiful and it was off the grid, very off the grid, which is what I wanted. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I was awesome. like, we were flying in this little glacier, like this little float plane out to the glacier, and I'm looking down and it's just like gravel roads everywhere. I'm like, this would be an amazing place for a gravel trip. And then I changed my mind. After to- fires. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I actually don't even know if that plane could take more than one bike at a time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the biggest plane that goes there. Oh my gosh. Well,
1: I'm totally kind of pivoting because, okay. um, I mean, obviously like we both have had like the last, what, three, four weeks off, two, three weeks off. I don't even know. Something that, like that. Month. We, um, took the, we took some extra time. We took, so, we, yeah. But, um, I told Tim, I was like, I gotta hop on to record a podcast. Um, and he's like, oh, which one? I was like, uh, Girl's Gone Gravel. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, he's like, is this season four? And I was like, uh, it is. <laughs> I mean, do we do seasons? Really? I, well, I don't know, but we it's take breaks the and then this is like, but either way, I'm like, I think that's what I'm calling it. Like we're starting yeah. season four of Girls Gone Gravel, which, all right. season I mean, four. cheers, pat on your back, pat on my back, pat on all of our listeners back, pat on all of our <laughs> guests back.
0: We got lots of pats going on. We well, but- got lots of pats. Give yourself yeah. a pat on the back. If you are listening yeah. to this, you're still listening <laughs> to, to, still listen- <laughs> to us ramble <laughs> four seasons later. Well, I promise you, like we definitely have to
1: have a good catch up from like our excursions over because I really want to hear about all of your running stuff and then um, you know, like the Patagonia update, which included some big, huge runs on my part too, which was kind of fun and some big bike rides, which was amazing. So, you know,
0: it was nice. it was good stuff. It was good stuff. Nice. Sounds like a very active vacation.
1: Yeah, it was. And in uh the world of women's sports.
0: Wow, it has been I mean, even a month, right? Like, yeah. So, the one thing actually, when we were at this, when like our remote camping trip got canceled, I was like, well, now in the lodge, we'll actually have access and I can um see if Courtney DeWater wins Hard Rock. That was, <laughs> was amazing. That so, that we had, um I think there was something in the triathlon, but I forgot because it's not that important. And then, of course, soccer. Yeah. on. And, the women's tour. Tour de France. Yeah. Tour de France. Femme. Yeah. Avec Zwift. Avec Zwift. Um, which has been, I've been getting up every morning and watching. Um, right. Because it's on right it. when I get up. I am going to miss it too. And I've actually been watching um, Lance and Mari and Allie and their mm-hmm. show every day. They do a really good job of breaking it down yeah. on a daily basis. And it seems like people are really digging the Allie Mari combo, which is a lot of fun. Um, but my favorite part do without Lance, maybe okay. <laughs> I do like the alley calls him Lancy pants. That's funny. <laughs> um, but my very favorite part is every day on the stage when they present the podium yes. squirrel Those with Kate Baranow's outfits are yes. so good. She's got to have a tour de France. On. I
1: have to say oh, that I've like, literally, literally been. Getting like on Instagram or whatever, I'll get like a feed of like some sh- like clothes or shoes or something. And anytime there's anything that looks like remotely like something Kate would wear, I just want to buy
0: it for. <laughs> don't buy it in your size, buy an extra tall. Oh, I would not buy it <laughs> in my size. Like, I don't even know. Yeah, that would be like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm. All the very bright. Oh my gosh. And the uh, Canyon Shram team, their kits and their bikes. So fun. That's amazing. Like it's really fun to see. And um Rachel Wills is over there. So she says I stole some for a video today, but she was like, the crowds are crazy. It's really fun. Turns out they do watch women's sports. It's weird.
1: I'm I'm a little bummed that the the World Cup is in New Zealand because like I'm not going there. I can't get there. And the Portugal game is at 2 a.m. Um but I'm going to get up and watch it. I
0: know I am. Did you see the video from the sports bra in Portland? No. Go on their page. Actually, we're going to post something on feisty because they gave us permission to use it. It's like, like basically when this woman opened it, like guys made fun of her. They're like, that'll be bankrupt in six months, blah, 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 blah. She made like $1.8 million in six months and eight months. But there's a video of the first women's world cup game u.s women's world cup and it's like the whole block was there watching and That's it what it was it's like in kansas city right now Same crowds so yeah did they do something huge.
1: at the stadium there they're doing it at the power and light district so um and i just like this is a totally i mean i know this is kind of a thread continuing we got our casey current like membership stuff for the next season at the new state like at the actual new stadium and I'm so impressed because they have kept the prices incredibly reasonable. Nice. Uh, yeah. And the like, and the avid like the, if you just want to go and sit in the bleachers and like cheer season tickets are like for all of the games are like 200 bucks. They're that's incredibly great. reasonable. And I'm just, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that's not at the detriment of women's salaries but I'm like, leave it to a women's funded backed team to understand what it means to like be a, you know, be supporting a sport as, you know, as a mom, like I'm, I'm or, you know, as a fee, like just on fixed incomes or limited incomes, or I'm just, I'm just really stoked on that. So, Yeah.
0: I actually listened to a podcast yesterday with the person that does the marketing for uh, the Angels City FC. Yeah, And like when she was doing the Jersey stuff, they were like, oh, you could get a million dollars for the Jersey sponsorships. And she was like, a million dollars? No way. Natalie Portman is going to be wearing this Jersey, like 4 million minimum. That's (laughs) what she got.
2: She's like, I'm not
1: getting a million. I'm getting 4 million.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That was in the documentary, right? I haven't watched the documentary yet. This is just like on the podcast that I listened to about the. It
1: was. It was really, it was really good. So,
0: so they they were just talking about how making it sustainable in women's sports. But the thing she said, because they the woman asked her then like, what's one thing if you could change in women's sports? And she said that women would have their own facilities like the KC facility. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, and it's it looks. I, I mean, you got to come. It just, it looks, it looks so cool and I'm so excited.
0: Yeah. Spicy field trip. I think we got to do it. Yeah. Um, are you in your real
1: estate office? No, I'm in my, I'm at the loft. So I'm trying to make dinner while I'm talking to you. <laughs> Roasting a bunch of veggies.
0: <laughs> this is, a, this is Christie's, we should make this Christie's crib episode (laughs) (laughs) the cribs cribs with christy (laughs) anyway so Um, who do we have today okay i always say her first name wrong because she's always like just call me rook (laughs) so okay i gotta look at it's anna mariah rook rook who we had on um last year after right after the tour because she was in france for the tour de France, to tour de france Femmes. Um, at VEXWIFT. Swift and so she gave us kind of the, uh, what it was like on the ground and then they didn't have money to send the reporters this year, but they're still writing stories. they have local reporters covering. so um I just said, hey, why don't you come on we can like chat, catch up. And then she had um a really hard race but a cool experience at Unbound with the 350. she did that was about to lose her shit. <laughs>
1: awesome well and i'm probably gonna duck off
0: during this yeah christy has to uh christy has to run we had we were trying to squeeze this one in so um yeah we will get on to our conversation with rook if you're looking for a bag to power your epic adventures look no further than women-led brand fierce hazel I love their bags and that they are all functional, which means they're lightweight, durable, and rainproof, which is very important. They are sustainable. All are made of upcycled or recycled or responsibly sourced materials. And they're made in California with unique designs. Some of the bags that I'm loving are their handlebar and saddlebags from their True Grit line that make it easy to carry everything. And they're very lightweight. Uh, And their echelon pouches. I have had so many Ziploc bags shoved into things everywhere, and these pouches just make it really easy to carry everything um, in one seamless pouch. You can go over to fiercehazel.com slash discount slash girlsgonegravel and use the code girlsgonegravel to get 30% off your purchase at checkout. So is everybody (laughs) been watching TV this morning? I miss, I didn't
1: get to watch this morning so I feel like we're gonna have some spoiler alerts here because oh. I'm gonna have to watch it this afternoon I'm like
0: sorry Christy that's okay
1: I can handle it it's, it's the first one that I didn't get to watch live so I was like ah um so I'll have to
0: yeah okay well okay. we we have Anna Mariah Rook or Rook with us today who uh writes for uh oh, cycling news right not Cycling Weekly cycling weekly oh cycling weekly i was just actually <laughs> pulling article. like i was just actually looking articles from both i have written
2: for both but i'm the current editor of cycling
0: weekly editor of cycling weekly i'm screwing this all up today <laughs> it's it's okay you're rusty this is our first I'm, one back i'm so. rusty and i've been uh immersed in the tv all morning um so we wanted to uh, get Rook on to talk a little bit about uh, the tour. You, d- you were there last year, so you didn't go this year, but you've been reporting from afar. And of course, you were, you've raced in that uh, pro level and done all the things. And then um, you have some fun Unbound stories for us, maybe.
2: <laughs> I, d- I have not raced on the World Tour, just to be clear. I was never <laughs> quite that good or fast, and especially not the, how good they are nowadays. Yeah, but
0: That's you raced fun. in europe right which i think is a totally different
2: no I, I raced in the u.s only. So like, oh i thought you raced in europe too no nope, no nope, no i'm not that special
0: okay my brain is just like <laughs> really <laughs> rook i think you're
1: pretty special so you're very special <laughs> you're, you're um pretty incredible so let's yeah let's just yeah. let's let's rewind to that but anyway yeah. um so you got to go over last year
2: I did. Yeah. Yeah. Last year um, I had to be on the ground, which after having spent 11 years as a second journalist was pretty darn special.
1: Did you have, um, I mean, I get goosebumps just watching it. So being there in person has has to be just like otherworldly.
2: It really is. And, and I think I'm, I'm hearing that the crowds are just as good as they were last year, but that was for me by far um, the biggest crowds I've ever seen at, at a women's race. And it was just so great to see how excited the fans were, how excited the writers were. Um, and it was this, there was just like this feeling of, of that it's meant to be like, this is how it should be. There should be a women's Tour de France after all these years. And after that 33 year break, it was just so great to see it come to fruition. Yeah.
0: Sarah actually just interviewed Kate Verano on, uh, the women's performance podcast. Like she got her yesterday from France. And, um, so I just snuck in and listened to the episode early and she was saying, you know, the crowds are even bigger over there. The enthusiasm is even bigger this year, which is exciting to hear because a first year event is easy, right? Like you can get the, all the hype around it, but a second year event is a lot harder to pull the hype
2: in. Absolutely. And especially after, you know, 21 days of men's racing and then, yeah. you know, that there's a little bit of sports fatigue. Like first you've got 21 days of men's Tour de France and now you've got the Women's World Cup soccer happening at the same time as this. So there's a lot of uh, events competing for people's attention span. So it's really great to, to see that people are still coming out and tuning in. I'm just loving it.
1: Like literally planning um, on getting up at 2 a.m. to watch the Portugal match just because like, it's, it's kind of like watching a solar eclipse. <laughs> you know? You're like, are you really going to miss that? Like, it's
2: so yeah. <laughs> I mean, right now, that's cool, right? You go into a bar, a sports bar, and these are on. And regardless of what it is that they're watching, it's going to be women, which is just so cool. Yeah.
0: Have you been to the sports bra yet? I know you live in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah.
2: they, I
0: saw a video of their uh, watch party. We're actually going to put it on Feisty. Because, uh, you know, they told her, like, I think I maybe said this yesterday, Christy, when we were talking. They told her that her it would close like in six months. They kind of made fun of her when she put a women's sports part, and then she made one point eight million. And then the crowd like was insane at that first USA game.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, they 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 have a good thing going, and um, they're in fact most of the time they're at capacity. So if you show up within like thirty minutes of the event, that you're not gonna get it, gonna get in. So they they definitely have a good thing going. Yeah.
0: If I had any money, I would open a women's sports bar, 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 bar. (laughs) Kansas city would be a good place. Christy.
1: There is one in Kansas city. And they just had a, they've, they've been having big watch parties there too. And it's been really fun to, you know, check to go and do that. There's also the power and light, which right now is like kind of grabbing that scene just because it's got the huge outdoor venue space and they show the, they show it on the big screen and, even though it's literally the temperature of the sun here right now, people are still <laughs> showing up to, to go watch it, you know, but, uh, no, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. It's very fun.
0: Okay. Well, Rook, I'm curious back to the women, back to women's racing. Uh, what, what are you seeing? Like as differences from last year to this year, like, are you seeing the level of racing kind of level up or, you know, like it's, has seemed a little bit more dynamic and exciting this year. But I'm not a like big pro cycling follower.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's actually been very unexpected this year. Um, I think all the attention was on you know the big favorites, on and and mm-hmm. uh, Demi, and instead, what we're seeing day in day out is is uh, a younger rider ry- rider getting away with stage win, and I think that's very telling for the future of the sport in general. And it's also very exciting. Like if <laughs> if I had made bets on who was going to win day in day out, I would have lost that um because day in day out it's been a new um writer who who takes the stage and and not someone that you would have um expected so that's been been really fun to see
0: yeah and Amik's kind of not been really making headlines very much this year um
2: no no not at all and and uh i think you know we for stage wins you're you're looking at you know marion vos you're looking obviously lotte is in yellow and that was expected that team anyway to do well but you know, we expected Lorena Vivas to maybe have more uh, or be in the, the the green jersey and have more stage wins. But uh, she obviously had to leave because of stomach issues. And, uh, yeah, it's it's been really fun to see these these solo breakaways or small breakaways just go away with the win. And um, many of them young. Like, I think today, Emma Norsgaard, was she 24? Yara Kostelein, also very young. Um, the, the young German rider yesterday. And so it's it's definitely a, a changing of the guard, it feels like.
0: Yeah. And it's fun to see them. Like they're it's the biggest wins of their career, right? And to see the look on their faces and hear their interviews because they're so like, oh my God, I just wanted to stage.
2: <laughs> and the funny thing, none of these were alive. The last time there was a women's tour de Oh
0: my God. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> well, that's
2: and a- I think I think the thing
1: that's getting me the most, and this is of course, because it's just, it just gets me in all the feels. It's the it's the multi-generational celebration that you see happening. Like you see the moms just losing their shit and you see the little girls just like wanting the autographs. And it's just, to me, like, I'm like, that's the thing that's just the most empowering. It's just like, Holy crap. You can see it all right here happening in front of our eyes. You can, you literally see how the sport, where the sport was, how the sport is going and where it's going. Like, happening right in front of you. It's just it if that's lost on you, then Jesus, you're not paying attention. You know, I mean I think that's the it's amazing. So really. I just I'm I'm just there for the tear jerking moments.
2: <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> the tear jerking moments and all the drama in this year, so. <laughs> I,
0: oh my gosh. What like okay I so I have some questions. Um because I don't like I said I don't follow pro cycling that much except for kind of around the big races and so what's the drama with SD works like everybody was talking about SD works and their drama
2: I mean there's been a lot right like the they uh, the constant drama is that they're a team of superstars and so how does that work out who's going to go for the the state win are they going to protect yellow like that that's been it from the get-go also in terms of like um you know when you've got two sprinters is is in one of the earlier stages was Lota gonna it looked like she was leading out um, Veebus, but then, you know, Veebus went for, it was just a very strange, like, who are they spending for? They're not doing a lot of work to bring back the break. Should they be doing the work when they already have the juicy yellow? There was just so many, like, questions about tactics. And then, uh, you know, Weebus left with a stomach issue and then the <laughs> Danish thumb, the director, gets basically kicked out of the tour oh, after, no. after Damie was caught um drafting after on a a vehicle yesterday and got a penalty which put her basically below her gc competitor on a make, where she was ahead and now she's behind and so yeah there's been a lot of drama going on and then today same thing like uh steve navin got um kicked out um well you don't really get kicked out you get excluded um from the tour after uh his rider took a free ride on the car so yeah, there has been a lot going on.
0: Yeah, I actually kind of like the drama. <laughs>
2: it's got people talking. <laughs> it is. Yeah, and it's just, it's it's interesting because there's been a lot of talk about whether or not the commissaires are too strict this year, uh, especially yesterday with Amy. You know, you get a flat tire. It's kind of like your job to get back to the peloton. And so you're going to draft a little bit of vehicle vehicle until you're back. And uh, yeah, they gave her a pretty severe penalty for that.
1: Was, was that the twenty second penalty? Yeah. Correct.
2: Okay. Okay. Trying like again,
1: I was there for the tears. So. I, I <laughs> <kind> of, <but. laughs>
2: well, it's funny because like you know the the race can get pretty small in terms of like mm-hmm. the the time gaps, and so twenty seconds can be uh, a make or break situation. Yeah, that's on a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's say it's only up by forty eight seconds now. I think I just saw. Uh, yeah. So you know, there's still some racing couple of stages to go so do you think she'll yeah. be able to, I mean this will come out after it's over but do you think she's gonna be able to hold on to the yellow jersey
2: uh you mean Lotte? yeah
0: see I yeah. like when you're on the podcast because you know how to say people's names correctly I'm like Lottie
2: <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> no I don't I don't like I, I think from the get-go it's understood that tomorrow is gonna give up her yellow jersey hopefully to her teammate Damie um and she's going to go for the green jersey instead because, uh, you know, it's going to get hilly and lots of while well, she can hang in isn't the best of climbers. And, and so it's projected that the race is going to change now to the GC leaders.
0: And do you think the time trial will switch it up? Like, does ST Works have good time trialists?
2: Yeah, yeah, they're all all quite strong. And I think uh, if I saw, <laughs> if I learned anything from the men's de France, the time trial can really break wow. someone's race. So yeah, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I do think this has been a bit more interesting than the men's race. Although what I did appreciate with the men's race was that I stopped really kind of looking at the GC contenders and just watching for the stage wins because the stage wins just got to be more fun to just kind of immerse in like a day, a day of racing versus looking at who your GC contenders are, but yeah.
2: Hmm. I, yeah, I don't know if I fully agree with that. I think because the GC race and the men's race uh, between Jonas Vingago and Tadej Pogacar, it's just it's a rivalry that we haven't seen in many, many years. And yeah, that's true. For the majority of the race, it was a 10-second difference. You know, like that, that could have changed at any moment, and that was pretty exciting. It's just the the race within the race that keeps you going while you're also enjoying the the, the day's action. But there's always that pressure that they're riding with uh, throughout that stage. Um, to make sure that they stay alive. But I mean, we don't really have that. I mean, we're kind of like expecting it between uh, David Voring and Annemiek uh, from Floeten, but we haven't seen that yet so far in mm-hmm. this race. So that'll change uh, once once we get to a more climier stage. So that kind
1: of leads me to like one of the bigger questions that I've had is the women's tour, does it need to be longer?
2: <laughs> um, for, I mean, for, yeah, I, I think- I, yeah. Go ahead, for sorry. a gc no no for a gc competition to shake out the weight in the men's yes but i also think it doesn't have to be 21 days and really mm-hmm. it's up to the riders to decide whether they think it needs to be longer they are capable of it for sure as we saw the the longest stage yet in any stage race uh, was a few days ago and it was completely packed with action so they're they're capable of it and I think this year the Tour de France was super engaging and exciting for, on the men's side, but that's not always the case, right? Sometimes it's just simply too long uh, and you don't want to fall into those pitfalls mm-hmm. either, but I don't know, we'll see. I think it can be 10 days like the Giro, um, but it's really up to the current riders to decide whether they think um, longer longer stages or just a longer overall race would be more exciting. On the media side, are you? What are you
1: seeing as far as like readership and and viewer viewers on your on your articles on the women's events? Is it is it rivaling the men's, or is it lower, or where's it where's it racking stacking up?
2: Uh, it's not rivaling uh, the men's. I think because we have such an incredible rivalry this year between mm-hmm. uh, Jonas ago and Tade. There's a lot more interest. The Netflix show also helps, obviously, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how much I can share, but as I was saying earlier, that um, our numbers at from the Tour de France Femme of X Swift coverage is actually lower than it was last year, which is mm. disappointing to see. And I'm not sure if it's because our content isn't good because we have fewer people on the ground or whether people are just tuning in and watching it live and they no longer have a, a need for a, a race recap when they just watch it themselves.
0: Hmm. Yeah, interesting. It would be, and you know, because they only show what an hour and a half. They only show the last part of the women's race. But I, I wonder if that, like, does help in some ways. Like people, because I tune in every morning. It's kind of like I'm doing some admin work as the day's getting started. That I don't, you know, like I can have it on in the background. But it's done really for me being on the west coast by working hours, so it's easy to watch it. Where I don't know if it was like if I were watching three or four hours, I probably wouldn't have
2: it on. I'd just like watch the recap. At the end of the day. Um, yeah, but you're watching or you're consuming it on social media. And I think that's what we're seeing. I'm not like, sure we're... I understand.
0: <laughs> that was my... I don't know.
2: My phone We just... don't either, Siri. We don't get it. We're
0: trying to figure it out. <laughs> that was unfortunately right in the microphone from my phone. <laughs> Sorry,
2: Lindsay. <laughs> uh no, what I was saying is I I think people are perhaps consuming content and, and coverage around the tour de France from elsewhere like I'm thinking they're doing it on Instagram they're doing it just in social media in general uh, because there is so much great content out there and perhaps they're consuming that more than a you know a straight up race report or a news article yeah yeah I think social media is going to shift I mean I've said this
0: watching how Unbounds and um, a few other races cover things in their Instagram stories and I'm like it's actually quite smart when things like a bike race or triathlon or ultra running, things like that, start covering the race in your stories because it's how people consume. They consume little bits of information throughout the day on breaks. And so, you know, if something's longer. That's how I want to watch it instead of being tied to my TV or. Yeah.
2: And, and I mean, if you look back, that's where women's second coverage started really. Like we all lived on Twitter. Like that's because there was no broadcast. So (laughs) We were doing live tweets and, and consuming that kind of kind of content all from Twitter. Like what's happening, you wouldn't know because no no one was streaming it. There was no broadcast, and so you would just follow it on social media. So there's always been that uh, appetite for and understanding that to follow women cycling, you go to social media first. Yeah.
0: One of the most frustrating things about going to big gravel races in the last few years is i have been getting sick pretty much every time i travel and i travel about once a month for work or to a big gravel event or something related and it's so frustrating when i get there and i can already feel the sore throat and the cold coming on and it really takes me out for several weeks and that's why i'm excited about our new podcast sponsor Prevenex. we've worked with previnex within our feisty brands for a long time if you listen to hit play not pause you've heard about joint support um, you've also heard about their great protein powder, but I am really obsessed with this product called Immune Health Plus. It, it has helped me go from getting sick every time I travel to I've not been sick one time this year, and, and I've also been on the road a good bit already this year. So it has everything that you need for immune health support, and it's way better than anything you're going to find in a grocery store or health food store. It's supercharged with immune-boosting ingredients like elderberry fruit, extract, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, and calcium. Now, if you want to stay healthy through your race season this year, you're going to use the code girls gone gravel for 15% off your first purchase of immune health plus or any of their other products. That's girls gone gravel for 15% off of your purchase. And you go to prevenex.com. You can find that in the show notes. So I heard, um, this kind of goes back to what Christy was talking about with the longer tour, but I heard, uh, Mari Holden kind of had a great comment on the move where they were ta- they were asking about that. And should the tour be longer? And she was just saying part of, because women's cycling development has been so far behind as far as women mm-hmm. getting paid, having the resources is it's actually going to take a little while to have big enough women's teams and enough development to get there, which I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Cause mm-hmm. people are pretty upset, you know, like things are equal, but we're so far behind the system. Have you seen that to be true?
2: Absolutely, especially when the conflict, right? There's been a scheduling conflict. The reason why uh, the Tour de France femme is after the men's Tour de France is because the Giordana is beforehand. So, if you're asking riders to do both back to back, that's that's a tall ask. And some riders have to do that because there's simply not enough uh, riders on the roster to do, you know, to field two separate teams, one that goes to the, the you know, first grand tour and the other one to the second grand tour. Whereas in men's cycling, it's not guaranteed that riders will do every one of the grand tours. Um, and when you have a limited roster and limited resources, uh, it falls on a lot of riders to do all the races or the majority of the races. And that's just not doable. Yeah.
0: And next year is the first year that it's like the minimum salary goes up to what's really a living wage. I mean, not really a living wage, but,
2: but it it almost
0: doubles right next year, like the minimum salary for, for the UCI women's teams that went from like 17 to 30, or is it 23 to 30? I don't
2: actually know the numbers. Yeah.
0: I think I looked at it as like, it's a significant jump that happens that has to be implemented by 2024, um, which also makes a big difference, right? Because a lot of the women have part-time jobs in addition to, or jobs in addition to writing.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. They are, a lot of people have jobs or have a secondary income of some kind through, you know, police academies or, or, uh, military programs, um, that, that support, that support, um. Athletes, I think uh, Lisa Longoburini is one of them. Christine Majeros they all have a secondary uh, income. Yeah.
0: Wait, what is that like police academy?
2: So certain countries like like Italy and and Luxembourg, they have a program through the military or through the police academy where you're um, basically a civil servant, but you it, it supports your athletic career, and then I think you have to give back in certain hours um, serving in either the military or the police. Um, and it's, it's been an avenue for athletes to pursue their athletic career, knowing that, you know, they have that to fall back on. That's
1: pretty innovative. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. I know there's a triathlete, Cap Matthews, that she's in the military, the British military. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think she's getting paid to race, um, at that yeah. level. Um, well, anything else you're observing from this tour that you think,
2: it's interesting or new or different, or I think everyone's looking to the SD orch team, right, as, as the team to, to to take away the win. But for me, the team that's winning thus far is actually Movie Star, and not because of Anna Meek, but because of the other challenge that we hear less less about throughout the year. Um, you know, with with Liana Lippert and uh, and Emma Norskar today. I think it's been very exciting to see these these riders that uh, perhaps ride right in the shadow of Anna Meek, um, to take some of the spotlight because you know Anamik is is going to retire, and who's going to take over? And and it, they're showing that that team is much deeper than just one rider.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's been fun to see. And like we said, the really young riders. <laughs> yeah. I'm but like they literally could so be
1: my kids, and then I'm like, <laughs> well, that's because my kids my kids are 25. <laughs> I mean, <laughs>
2: Anamik is what 40? Like they could be our kids. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They, they, well, could literally, her kids. <laughs> they could be her kids <laughs> yeah yeah well, that's amazing all yeah. of it's amazing it's just
1: yeah I just hope well I just don't want to lose any momentum that's you know the biggest fear right now is like how do you just keep it going because it I just I feel like as much progress as we've made a lot in, in women's cycling, it's just a fragile economy. Like it can, it can, the the switch can be turned off and we go backwards. Um, it just doesn't feel like the safety net is there for women's cycling. And I think that that's, it almost causes like this like a panic in me of like, no, you have to watch. You have to be, you got to be paying attention. You have to follow them. Like don't get bored, like stay focused. Like we all have to just keep doing it because I feel like if we let up, it's going to change the tide. But Yeah. And I
2: I think, I think we need more supporters like Swift, you know, they do a multi-year investment into a race and that Mm -hmm. guarantees that we're going to have that race for at least, you know, four or five years. And I think uh, it'd be great if we saw more, Big investments like that because we we can't just do one race this year and see what happens next year. No, we we need a a a long term plan. And four or five years really isn't long term, but it's it's better than what we've had so far.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like any of the programs that I used to develop back when I was working with um, the camping branch for YMCA, it was always like I'm not starting a program unless you're going to guarantee me funding for three years. Like I I have to know that there's a, a reason to keep working on this. It can't be a one year deal because it just doesn't work. No,
0: it really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the, we're going to put this out on social media, um, later this week, but one of the things is, okay. How do you say Lati's last name? Kopeck? Kopecky. Kopecky. It's the Kopecky effect. I'm sure you've seen this. It's really,
2: really exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, you tell us, tell everybody about it. So you could say everybody's (laughs) (laughs) names.
2: I can't. the lotte Kobecki effect is that Lotte has really um, elevated um, women cycling in, in Belgium. You know, she won Flanders, which is like the iconic race. And uh, that has trickled down in, in getting more young, not just around, just women in general on bikes and then investing also in racing. And so about Bel- the Belgian cycling federation has reported that they've seen uh, a huge increase in, in number of, uh, women riders taking out racing licenses and they're calling that the lotto effect, which is really exciting. Yeah.
0: It's like four times the number in the last three years.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I think mm-hmm. here in the U.S., we're having a bit of the opposite, right? Fewer and fewer people are taking out usually cycling memberships. Well, uh, well that's so a that's whole that's whole highly, other story. Highly political, <laughs> highly political reasons behind that one. But um, You don't need one
0: to race gravel. <laughs> that's what we <laughs> do in the U.S., <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah so it's, it's definitely a very encouraging thing to see that you know one rider can have so, such a positive influence on on the sport in, in one country and a cycling mad country to begin with
1: Yeah, it's yeah. awesome that's the uh I, I saw gina davis talk about uh because she went into archery in the olympics um uh, yeah and i saw her speak and she said that in the the archery league she was part of they saw a huge bump in girls taking up archery after the hunger games came out <laughs> and it really inspired her with the whole, if she can see it, she can be it movement that she was pushing was because she saw cat. What's her name of the hunger games, you know, um, picking up a bow and arrow and, and feeding her family with it, inspired all of these girls to take up archery and all they needed to do was see it. That's all, that's all that needed to happen was they, they just needed to see that they could do it. And that was it. She, that just has inspired her in a bunch of different ways. But anyway, that's, sounds like it's the exact same thing. Like just being able to see it inspires you to know that you can do it. And it's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Oh, all the feels. Anyway. I know.
0: <laughs> if you want to cry, go look at our Instagram reel that we posted yesterday with Caro's uh, Kara, daughter. Um. Anyway, okay. Well, speaking of inspiring people, so <laughs> you did an Unbound XL that maybe you weren't so happy about at the finish line because it was <laughs> a really tough day. But then you sent me a message that you had gotten, um, and yes. yeah, I just wanted to like talk. A little, well, tell us anything you want about the Unbound XL. <laughs> <laughs> have to do it, but also like after having a rough day, kind of what it was like to get a message like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, XL this year, as you know, everyone has, has uh, talked about, was just so incredibly muddy and uh, everyone, especially in the 200 they were complaining and they had like three or four miles a mud. Well, in the XL we had like 20 <laughs> miles of that mud. And it was just, there was just so much walking, uh, which I was not prepared for. And I think because of things taking longer, I got behind on my nutrition and my hydration. And so I just was super, super far in the hole and I was just like just get it done with you know it was like pouring rain as I left the last uh age uh, the last gas station and then I flatted and this was all like oh my god I've been on the bike for 24 hours like <laughs> I just want to be done so when I came through I also in that moment I I had no idea what the standings were but I was like you know I've been going backwards for the last four hours pretty sure I'm like you know the last one to come across yeah. the line so when I, when I saw you Christy I was kind of like oh god it's over and like that was awful <laughs> Um, and I think someone was like, hey, you know, you got second ride. And I was like, no way. Like, that cannot be possible. <laughs> I've been literally like going backwards. Just like, yeah, wasn't in a, in a very good mental or physical state for that matter. Um, <laughs> and it took my body and my bike to uh, get that. You like had a couple to weeks. like get your bike repaired, right? Because it scratched the carbon. The change days were pretty much up there, uh, down to like 0.8 millimeters of carbon on them um so yeah I mean my bike is clearance for 47 millimeter tires so I only used you know 42 so there was plenty of clearance but that mud it wasn't mud it was like like concrete yeah <laughs> yeah at, at one point we were like just so downward like me and, and this guy who, who I was riding with like we just were able to like grab this 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 like concrete and like toss it at each other it would just like <laughs> sit on you regardless of what you <laughs> just toss it, it was just so, like, like throwing mud at people <laughs> it was so tacky and uh yeah i guess that you know when the when i was able to move the tire again it just like rubbed through the, the uh, change space um and and there were a lot of bikes broken and and i think there's been a lot of uh conversations about who's you know is this the organization's fault is this is the route's fault and i think really it's just those are the conditions and that's mother nature threw that at us so like, i i'm not like upset that i had to get my bike fixed i mean it's no fun obviously but like you know that happens and uh, yeah, so it was a tough day, made for a good story. Um, people will keep asking me if I would do it again. Uh, my first reaction was like, hell no. But um, now that we're, you know, several, like what, nearly two months out, I'm like, okay, what's next? Um, Cause that's how, you know, my brain works. And uh, I think if the weather had been better I would have really enjoyed myself. So yeah, maybe I'll seek a, a slightly nicer weather edition of, of that race. <laughs> In the future. (laughs) Um, But what was really nice is that I got just a couple of weeks ago, I got a message from a mom who was a volunteer um, uh, running um, shuttles to get people out if they wanted to abandon the race. And apparently, she and her daughter had seen me come through one of the gas stations. And uh, she sent me this lovely note where her daughter um, can't race herself because of a, a health issue. And she was just really excited to see me as a, as a woman come through amid these men, and thought that you know that was pretty cool. And so she looked me up and she followed me for the rest of the race and the sent me a lovely uh, thank you note afterwards. And that was was super inspiring. Like I had no idea that people were watching, let alone that you're going to inspire a thirteen year old um, to you know do things in the future, which is is really neat.
1: It's made. I mean, just locally, you know, like just getting to see the impact on so many of these families where, you know, you now have families of cyclists and a lot of times it's parents following the kids being inspired by watching athletes out there. It's just really cool. Um, and that story, I mean, I, I think I messaged, I did message you on Instagram when I saw you post that. Cause I was like, we need to send this girl something. Um, it was just a, uh.
2: A Swift, watch the fem cap. That's what. Oh, you me. sent that
1: awesome. Yeah. Um, we sent over a water bottle, but um, you know, like it's just a thing where it's just fun to, it's just fun to see that, and it's fun to see the change in community. And I just, I think that's one of the coolest things about the event. Not, I mean, I think it does it outside of this area specifically, but being able to watch when the very first edition took place, we had two Emporians at that start line, and now we have over four hundred it's, yeah, it's a change in culture, you know, which is pretty, it's pretty cool. So, and thank yeah, you yeah. for, you know, coming and doing it because <laughs> you you changed a little girl's life and you didn't even know you were doing that when you're out there on the bike. Yeah. But,
2: the yeah that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will say it was, it was bananas. Like the nighttime, everyone's like, Oh, that must've been so rough. Was like my absolute favorite time like I love riding a night and the mud was something and I wasn't good to bear so I didn't I actually did not care about the mud one bit it was the next day when you realize how far you still have to go and you're just like my my stores were just completed like before that I was like having a great time so luckily this this girl did see me when I was also very like happy and upbeat <laughs> rather than the way you saw me. I Get away like, from me! You, you didn't, didn't throw my say that, but like, No, I had no issues even there. Like I was actually like coming through all the gas stations. I was like very stoked to be there. It was purely just the last like I don't know, just the last hundred miles. Uh, wow, just <laughs> it. the last. That's a long miles. way.
1: It's like, that's one of those where sometimes when you're doing, when I'm doing a, a longer race, I'll be like, Oh, there's only 30 mi- miles left. That's like a, that's like an evening ride. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're like, Oh, there's only a hundred miles like left. That's like a Saturday big block training, ride. <laughs> that's
0: not,
2: <laughs> yeah. that's not an after I- work jaunt. <laughs> no. And uh, uh, I think it was the first, no, maybe the second um, gas station where, you know, uh, Jack Older cyclist, he abandoned and that King abandoned a bunch of people abandoned and I was coming through. And I was like, kind of just like, you know, kind of giddy. And uh, I was like, this is the longest ride I've done all year. And they're like, you still have 200 more miles to go. How is this your <laughs> longest ride? And I was, like, <laughs> Whoops. <whooped. laughs> and you know, and like, oh. the momentum will get you far, you know, and I, yeah. I knew like I've done 200 miles before and that really didn't have much of an intrigue in me. So you know it was just really funny that they the looks on their faces when I was like you know 140 miles 45 miles in and they're like oh, that was the longest ride I've done thus far and they're like oh my god you poor yeah. thing you have so much longer to go <laughs> I think not knowing what that feels like was actually like a good thing yeah. you know ignorance yeah. is bliss yeah yeah
0: yeah well it also proves if you've got a big background like you do in cycling you can actually get away with yeah, and kind of undertrained, especially what like you said, like you broke down when your nutrition got behind. It's actually, if you can keep up with eating, which is hard, but you can get through a lot if you can eat enough.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think this year for me is, uh, I'm, I've been dubbing it the type two fun year because I've done some like more extreme uh, events in addition to, to the Excel. And every time I'm just amazed, like, what your body can do like Mm -hmm. I you know don't have the time to train like I used to I used to train you know 15-20 hours a week and that was just like I took that serious that was kind of like just as important as my actual job now I play bikes and I get out when I have the time and then I like force my body to go through something crazy like this and I can do it like you know yes it takes a lot of mental power but your body can do such incredible things and it seems to get better actually in terms of endurance as I'm getting older which Tracks with the research out there, but it's just—it's kind of wild. You, if you subject your body to it, it'll, it'll meet the meet the challenge. Nice, exactly. That's not to say if you're just starting cycling,
0: try a two- mile ride.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you can do a little bit of face.
0: Rick miles. has a lot of miles <laughs> in her leg. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, I, I've been running bike my whole whole life, and uh, yeah, this should preface that I have a huge base. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, Okay. The last thing I want to ask you about is I've been uh, seeing on social media that you're building a bike. Mm,
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I've wanted a, you know, custom titanium lifer bike for a long time. Uh, as a, as a second journalist, I get to ride some of the coolest, fastest, you know, most innovative bikes out there, but I just wanted one that, um, had a story and was, was unique to me and had a, had a, had a great, um, story in terms of who made the bike as well. So I reached out to be Vivet from hot salad um here in Portland um you know she's non-male non-white and just starting out really as a with her own company and yeah we met up we connected and and I wanted to create a bit of a unicorn of a bike um something that's titanium and durable but like snaps more like a a carbon bike Uh, it's an all-road bike so not huge tires but can still do 35 or 38 uh, millimeter tires and um yeah she's she's making it happen that's awesome which is really cool and I'm super excited about it it's gonna get shown at the Made um bike show in August and that'll be the first time I will see it is that that week of maid I will pick it up and I won't know what it's what the paint job or anything will look like um so yeah I'm I'm super excited
0: oh god nice I got some uh, option that makes you nervous I'm I'm
1: thinking about giving up the control of the of the I yeah maybe a little
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean your face is not just like oh gosh no I mean I think
1: like that's where I would want to go like I would just be I think I would have to go that way because otherwise I would start really like going down that path of overthinking it versus when you're doing something like that you you meet with them you give them the basics it's like having an artist create a piece of artwork you can't at some point you have to let them do their job
2: yeah but I, mean, I would still be, to yeah. clarify I I designed the geometry so I was very specific about you know the chain length and the head tube angle and so like the the way it's going to handle that that was all me the, what what mm-hmm. it looks like it's all that's her. all her from the shaping of the tubes from how she's welding it and and then ultimately the, the paint job is is all her, um, which is, yeah, it's super fun. And I'll have a great story because I, uh, I have the privilege and I get to travel all over the world all the time, carrying a bike with me. And I just, I wanted a bike that people ask me about and that yeah. I can tell them a good story about. And it's not just another machine-made carbon you know bike. It has it has a story that's been made by hand and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, by someone who is is a super rad person, so. That's that. Wow. Uh, that's what's in the works. Yeah, that's really are you cool. getting any sneak peeks? <laughs> so I saw. I got to go in this last week and spend some time with her and watch her do her thing as she was welding my bike together. So I I seen the the the, the plain tubing and uh, I've seen it come together and she actually gave me uh, an opportunity to weld uh not on my nice. bike, on a separate piece a little oh. bit myself. And man, that was humbling. That's it's a really really specific craft and skill that they have and. Uh, it was really cool that I got to try it because then, you know, I have an even greater uh, appreciation for what it is that they're doing, but no, in terms of color. And I, I mean, I know the color, uh, or at least some of the colors, cause I picked out, um, you know, some of the anodized Chris King parts. So oh, nice. I gave her some colors and yeah, but yeah, the rest is uh, I get to see you in a few weeks. Exciting.
0: And then you'll be traveling out around the world with that bike. Exactly. <laughs> Well, what are you excited about covering this fall? Or do you have any bike races you're going to be doing this fall?
2: Uh, well, um, next Friday, I leave for Scotland. Uh, the World, oh, nice. World Championships are there. And uh, while I'm there, I'm going to take myself, um, treat myself to a little bike ride. As I do, I'm going to mm-hmm. um, ride around Loch Ness. It's a, a mountain bike ride of about 80 miles. Um, a lot of people do it in multiple days. So I'm going to do it in one day. Um, limited time and just seems like a fun challenge. So I'm excited about that because uh, it looks super pretty out there in the Highlands. And uh, I've never been to Scotland, which is, is uh, fun. And then I'm going to do Rebecca's private Idaho. Nice. My uh, my wife got inspired this year. And so that's she actually the 100-miler on bound, which was uh, her first ever bike race of any kind. Um, and then she's going to do RPIs as well. So this is one of those where she was like, you think we can do RPI? And I was like, hell yeah, we can do RPI. Let's go do it. And so uh, it's really fun to see her get into the sport a little bit. Like she's not super competitive in terms of like wanting to place. She just wants to push herself. And it's really fun to see that um, come alive in someone um, firsthand. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: that's exciting. Okay, well then where can people follow you and find and then also find your articles?
2: They find my articles on secondweekly.com and not not
0: cycling news cycling Cycling weekly
2: (laughs) you'll find some old articles of mine in cycling news but uh my current work is on cyclingweekly.com and uh you can find me all over social media it's just at am rook awesome Awesome. Awesome. thanks for making time to chat with us this week it's been really fun to catch up yeah absolutely and uh, enjoy the rest of the tour de France fun thank you